Anybody as fired up as me? Goodness gracious. I might not quit preaching for a while. <laughs> there, were, there was like nervous laughter when I said that. <laughs> Wait, is he serious? <laughs> ah, boy. Speak what is true. I'm telling you. So, so how many of you have read the Christmas story in Luke before in your life? Or heard a sermon on it or pre- preached a sermon on it, Dawn, right? Guess what? I learned something new this week. In the Christmas story, for crying out loud. Something that I've read so many times. It's actually what happened was I, I connected I connected a sentence that I had always read separately. But when you connect it, it's a whole different meaning. So fasten your seatbelts. I'm kind of excited. So we've been doing the Advent candles. We've been going through uh, the different ones. The first one, the first week was the prophecy candle. And we talked about the coming Messiah and the Savior. We talked about our need because of what happened in Genesis chapter 3. We talked about the blood feud that would happen between uh, Satan and Mary, uh, Eve's uh, offspring, between the two seeds, and the fact that Satan might uh, bruise Jesus' heel. But through that process, Satan's head would be crushed. We talked about that week one. We talked about what the Messiah would be. He would be humble, a symbol of the Father's love. He would be king, wise, powerful, Father, peace, light of the world. And Jesus is hope. The next week we did the, the uh, Bethlehem candle, the love candle. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And we talked about what that sign would be. And we talked about the fact that if we stuck at the, at the it's just a full ma- fulfillment of promise, we're, we're missing some things. We talked about love. We talked about agape love. Loving the world unconditionally. And I encouraged you last week, go agape the world. How many of you did? Did you have opportunities to agape the world? Or agape those around you? And I told you that that love sticks out. It's unusual in the world that we live in. This week, a new candle. This one's called the shepherd's candle. The joy candle. And so we're going to, we're going to look at this passage where the angels, or the, the shepherds encounter the angels. And this is, to me, this is just such an exciting portion of Scripture. I'd like us to first look at the shepherds and ask the question, what's the significance that the shepherds were the first ones to hear? Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11 says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of Bethlehem, or town of David, sorry, I was going back to King James Version. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. How many of you memorized that in the old King James Version? That was like my first time, and I was five years old, and I, in front of the church, I recited that. And my brother, who was nine years older than me, abused me incessantly because I 
the way I said that. So that verse sticks out. I mean, he didn't abuse me. He just, he made fun of me. I mean, he would mimic me every Christmas. He'd be like, oh, little Steve, he read this. And so anyways, that has nothing to do with the sermon today. So, so maybe I should get some counseling on that. It seems like something, whoo, ah, goodness gracious. Yeah. So anyways, all down through the ages, all down through the ages, the Jewish people knew that there was a coming Messiah. They looked forward to a coming Messiah. They were waiting in anticipation. Scholars studied the ancient prophecies to see what, see what the Messiah would be like. The rabbis taught about the Messiah that was coming. They participated in annual rituals and celebrations that pointed to a coming Messiah. And I would say to you, that this event that was heralded here in these verses was the single most important news in history. It was that important. And I'm sure heaven was abuzz just before this. I'm sure there was all kinds of excitement in heaven because they knew what was coming. Almighty God was about to make good on His promise to mankind. And he was about to send the Messiah. Now, you guys know me well enough that you know I like to read between the lines. I like to sort of fill in the, the scene of what's going on here. And I kind of, kind of imagine the angels are ready. They have their assignment. They know they're going to go to earth. And God says to them, Almighty God, gather, gathers them together and says, All right, it's time to go make the announcement. And oh yeah, I want you to go tell those shepherds first. Say again. You want us to what? The shepherds. Wait a second. It's kind of one of those things in Scripture that makes me scratch my head. Just kind of like I talked about, you know, why would the Messiah come to earth and be born in a stinky stable? You know, wrapped in claws in a, in a manger in some straw with, with animals around. Why would God choose to do that? Why wouldn't he just send him with a lot of fanfare on a big white horse with a fiery sword and the angelic host ready to wipe out the enemy? But we talked about that. I think it reveals the humble nature of Jesus. And so there's something here in this story that I think we need to, to look at because the fact that the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, would come to earth and be announced, by, announced to lowly shepherds, we've got to look at this. There's something going on here. Because let's face it, these shepherds were nobodies. In fact, they were worse than nobodies. They were outcasts. They were smelly. They were bottom of the social and economic uh, barrel. They were not educated. They were simple men. They weren't spiritual or, or intellectual giants. But God chose to go to these simple men first. And you know what? We see this time and time again in Scripture. Look at the great leaders in Scripture. Almost all of them were ordinary men and women. Everyday average Joes. Just like you and me. But God used them for extraordinary things. When we look at these examples, I'm just struck. Every time I look at an example like this, it says to me that I can no longer look at myself in the mirror and say, I'm not qualified to do that. I'm not qualified to do what God's asking me to do. 
Because it's pretty obvious to me in God's economy, qualifications look quite different than how we see them. I can promise you this. If God asks you to do something, if God gives you an assignment, it's not because you're the best or the brightest. It's not because you're supremely qualified. He is simply looking for someone to say, yes, Lord. And he does the rest. The old adage is true. God rarely calls the equipped. Instead, God equips the called. God showed us in this very first part of this encounter that that is true by coming to the lowly shepherds. Let's look at the shepherds a little bit, long, a little bit more here. So if we look at this, so they're out in the fields, they're living there, they're keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord shows up. Now think about it. God didn't ask these shepherds to come to the temple. Hey guys, come on into the temple because I got something important to tell you. He didn't wait for them to get better educated. He didn't expect them to go out and get a theology degree so that they would understand what they were seeing or hearing. Think about this too. It says here they lived out in the fields. Guess what they didn't have out in the fields? Showers. So, right? So these guys probably smelled pretty bad. Ever been around somebody who hasn't showered in a couple days? Or a week? Or longer? But you know what? God didn't require them to go into town and get a shower and shave. He didn't, in, didn't require them to put on their fancy Sunday de- best. Another point is he didn't require them to have their lives cleaned up either. doesn't say that here at all. I mean, in fact, we really don't know, have, have any idea what their faith was like. We don't know these guys. We don't know whether they were practicing Jews, whether they followed the rituals and celebrations like they should, whether they did sacrifices. We don't know any of that about these guys. But to me, none of that seems to matter to God. And here's why. Time and time again, I've seen God do this in my life and in other people's lives around me and in these shepherds' lives. He comes and meets you where you are. He doesn't wait for you to come to him sometimes. We talked about that this morning in the testimony time. God comes looking. God comes searching. He met these guys right in the middle of their life, in the middle of their messiness. He broke into their lives right there. Listen to me. We've got to get it out of our heads that somehow before we can have a relationship with God, we've got to get our lives straightened out. I've heard people say this before. Well, before I can go to church, man, I've got to clean up some things in my life. Before God will uh, talk to me, I've got to get some stuff straightened out. No. That's not what Scripture shows us. Listen to this. So in my notes, I wrote, listen to this. Listen to this. And then in all caps with a bunch of exclamation points after it, listen to this. So poke your neighbor and tell him, listen to this. You ready? Here it is, John 3. 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. We know these verses, right? Now look at this. Romans 5, 8. 
But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. After we cleaned up our lives and got everything straightened out and had everything reconciled, Christ died for us. No. While we were still a mess, Christ died for us. Do you get this? Just like God broke into the lives of those lowly shepherds, just like He didn't require them to get things cleaned up before He came to them, that's what He does for us. God comes to us. Listen, God carried out His plan regardless of whether or not we would ever accept it. Do you guys get that? Jesus died on the cross long before all these people came to accept Jesus as their saviors. Do you get it? We have a choice of whether or not to accept Jesus, but Jesus died anyways. Long before we accepted it. The work was done. He carried out this plan because He loved us. Stop looking at all the reasons why you believe God won't accept you. Begin believing that God does accept you. Right where you are. Now listen, He doesn't want you to stay where you are. But we get this backwards. We think that the change that happens in our life has to happen before we meet God. But the truth is the change that happens in our life happens because we meet God. After we meet God. He breathes new life into us. He makes the changes that have to happen after we're in a relationship with Him. It's His power. It's His strength. It's the blood of His Son that makes the changes in our lives. Holy cow, I could get excited. Do you guys get this? We've got it so backwards. Let's go on. Back to those verses. So I like this. It says, The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. (laughs) No kidding. I would be too. I mean, think about it. I, I get this. They're out there minding their own business. They're going about life like they would normally go about it. It's dark, pitch black. I would imagine some of them, you know, are gazing up into the stars because it was beautiful back then. And, and I would say probably some of them were getting ready to sleep. Some of them were getting ready to take the first watch. I mean, they were going through their normal routine. And wham, it's daylight. And there's an angel in the sky talking to him. Terrified. That's kind of an understatement. But you know what struck me as I was reading this passage? And this really spoke to me personally. Sure, they might have been afraid of the light. They might have been afraid of the sound. They might have been afraid of this angelic being that was up there in the sky. But you know what? I kind of read between the lines here and wonder if they might not have been afraid of something different. Okay, this isn't like my normal night out here. This sure is different. How many of you are afraid of different? I am. Come on, be honest. How many of you are afraid of change sometimes? I'm totally afraid. I'm, I'm not like a fan of change, just so you know. I am a routine kind of guy. I think there are times in my life where I have immediately dismissed something new Because I was afraid it was different. And I've not given it an opportunity to search it out and go, okay, well, this is probably all right, even though it's different. I think sometimes we fear the change that comes along with different. And it seriously handicaps us. In my life, for example, what if I hadn't listened when my wife said to me, you need to be a pastor? 
Now, truth be told, I didn't listen to her for a while. Matter of fact, I argued with her for a while. I had a good job. I was comfortable, relatively good at it. Didn't see any reason to change, except for one little bitty minor detail. God wanted me to change. I'm not saying that all change is good. Sometimes change isn't good. But if we dismiss or we turn away from change because we're afraid of it, we miss out. We can miss out on our own blessings. We can miss out on being used by God in a powerful way. We, can, we, just, we miss out. Fear cannot be the motivating factor for us to not do something different. You guys with me? So fear shouldn't be part of the, it shouldn't be part of the equation when we're looking at a change. Don't let fear make us back away. Let's go back to this verse again. So I like this. Okay, so here's, here's the connection I made this week. And I, I'm going to tell you what it is, but it's coming up here. So it's right here. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now, what's this morning's sermon called? Joy. So a lot of times we look at this verse and joy becomes the focus. I could talk about joy. I could define joy. The definition for the original Greek word here, joy means gladness or delight. And those are Two words directly out of the original Greek. But I think if we look at this phrase that the angel said, I don't believe the emphasis is on great joy. Read this with me. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The emphasis here is the source of the joy. What's the source of the joy, class? The good news. The good news. How often do we search for joy in all the wrong places? How many times is our source of happiness somewhere where it shouldn't be? I mean, even in our country, all right, our Declaration of Independence has these words life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? happiness and it calls those unalienable rights that are given to us by our creator and sometimes i think we embrace that pursuit of happiness that pursuit of delight that pursuit of joy in all the wrong places let me step on some toes if you're looking for happiness in your job if you're looking for your spouse to bring you happiness if you're looking for your kids your pastor if you're looking for money or fame, you fill in the blank. If that's your source of joy, if that's your source of happiness, you're looking in the wrong places. According to the angel that talked to the shepherds right here, the source of joy is Jesus. If you look at your life and you come to the conclusion, you know what, I'm not very happy. I don't have a whole lot of joy in my life. Trust me on this. Instead of pursuing happiness, pursue Jesus. And I promise you, a joy will come that you've never experienced before in your life. 
You will have a joy that isn't temporary. You will have a joy that isn't fleeting. You won't have a joy that goes up and down with whatever's happening in the circumstances in your life. It will be a joy that sinks into your inner being, into your core, and you will live a life of joy regardless of what's going on. One last thing. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Folks, we need to get this. Jesus didn't come just for the Jews. Jesus didn't come for rich or poor. Jesus didn't come for those who look good, smell good, got it all together. Jesus didn't come for the good people. He didn't come for the bad people. Jesus didn't come for those with the right religious pedigree, those who are spiritually mature, those who are spiritually immature. It says here that Jesus came for all people. What's my joke, everyone? The word all in the original Greek means what? All. All people. Too many times we look in the mirror and say, yeah, all people, but not me. Not me. I've been been too far, done too much, too broken, unlovable. Lies, lies, lies. The truth is, God gave this angel an assignment. He said, I want you to go to earth and tell those shepherds that Jesus is for all the people. The Messiah is here. He's born in a little town called Bethlehem. He's going to go to a cross He's going to pour out his innocent blood. He's going to die, be put in in a tomb. And three days later, he's going to walk out of that tomb alive, conquering sin and death. Remember back in Genesis chapter 3, crushing Satan's head? There it is. It's coming. That's what this angel was sent to tell the shepherds. Satan's head's about to get crushed. Here it comes. And that gift is available to all people. I don't care who you are, what you look like, where you've been, what you've done. All people. Folks, we have a message to tell the world around us. In just these couple quick verses this morning, think about what we can share with the world around us. (laughs) We have the answer to fear. We have the answer to lack of joy. We have an answer to lack of life. We, We have it all right here. You guys have heard me say this before. I don't care what question the world is asking. His name's Jesus. That's the answer. And this is a perfect time of the year to tell people about it. I am so expecting a harvest right now. And you know what? I've heard of some people coming to Christ, right? In our town. I've heard some testimony already in this Christmas season. And I'm expecting that harvest to grow. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your present in Jesus. 
Thank you for the way that you do things. <laughs> because we can look at this process that was played out two millennia ago and we can say, boy, there's so much we can learn from that process. Thank you for the way that you reveal yourself to us. Thank you for the way that you, you come up with these plans and, and how it's so easy to see that the motivation of your heart is love. So Father, I, I begin right here in this, in this room, in this body of, of, of this family of believers that's here today. I pray for an increase of joy. I pray that each one of us here within the sound of my voice would have this welling up of joy within us that we know that the only source, the only place that it could be coming from is You. And I pray that that joy would be evident. Not happiness, not gleefulness, but a deep down, knowing that I'm loved kind of joy. I pray for an increase of that over this body. I pray that we would know that and we would believe that and we would live that. And Lord, I pray over this city. I pray an increase of joy in this city. I pray that those who name your name would be filled with your joy. Filled to overflowing. Lord, I pray for the workers to come out of the woodwork because as I walk through this city, I see the harvest that's plentiful. And I pray for a great harvest this Christmas season. I pray for a turning back of the dark forces who think they own this town. No, you don't. My Lord owns this town. I declare it. And I raise my voice with others who declare it. Jesus is Lord of Chambersburg. Have your way in our city. Have your way in our city. On earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Go spread joy. Have a great Sunday.